best, most informed sports talk noon to 3, it's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, 447-8 said Coward is more under fire for putting Haskins on a list of quarterbacks that won't win Super Bowls. There's a list that we have on this show that Colin Cowherd will be on tomorrow uh, in re- in uh in regards to that. to that, yeah, in response to that, uh, Dana Brown, the general manager of the Houston Astros, I, I call him D Brown, uh, just my nickname for He's him. The Dunker. Did you hear whenever he was on with uh, AT and T the other day and Callis that he still had like an open mic? They didn't shut his mic off quick enough. He's like, all right, D Brown, thanks. So oh, I'm, I did hear I'm that. I'm going to call him yeah, D Brown. From yeah, now Callis on. said that, right? If Callis is calling him yep. D Brown, friend yep. of the station, I'm going to start calling him uh, D Brown. But D Brown was on uh, with QB One over on the uh, the other side of the dial, the flagship earlier today, and he's because we, we we have conversation. Anytime Kyle Tucker has a good game, he's the new pay the man. It's the whole oh Carlos Correa. Anytime the Kyle Tucker, even though he still has this year and two more years left under club control, everything is he hits a he hits a base hit the other way. Pay the man. It's like oh, we're doing this for another two years plus. But he was asked to D Brown about. Kyle Tucker extension, and, and Dana Brown said this. Let me put it to you this way. Kyle Tucker will be a Houston Astro. We feel, fa- we, uh, feel strongly about getting it done, and I feel he will be an Astro for the rest of his career. We'll get it done. That's D. Brown, Astros general manager, about the uh, prospects of Kyle Tucker signing an extension with the Houston Astros. You read that. You hear that. What do you think? I cringe. I cringe <laughs> because he represents the baseball team and an owner and – you don't want to give up any kind of negotiating bargaining power in the mix. We've talked about this in the past when he's made some of these statements. Like, we love the fact that he's not James Click and the fact that he will talk to the to the media. He will give you some honest answers. He will kind of give you a lay of the land of some of the things that they're working on or things that how their things are going or what they're what they're trying to do. But when he commits like this, it's cringeworthy because he's the general manager. And now he's almost committing, and now what happens if it doesn't happen? And and now you're you're giving an agent some power to go, well, you said he's going to finish his career here. This is what we're looking to get, and, you know, this is what we got to have. Otherwise, you are going to look like you were wrong. Yeah, there's a lot to lot to talk about here, like the what an extension looks like, which we'll do later. Um, do you want to sign those extensions? And 95% of the city of Houston and Astro fans will tell you yes, because you have a player producing it at MVP level. Shohei Otani was in the American League. Kyle Tucker might be the MVP this year, quite frankly. So when a player is playing that well, you want to be, oh, yeah, give them 10 years. But you don't really take into consideration what the last seven years of that contract will look like. This My, my biggest takeaway of this, though, from, from D. Brown is that D. Brown talks a lot. Oh, he does. And it's like that's I'm not I'm not a I'm not that's fine. I don't care that he talks a lot. In fact, for from guys like you and me, it's great mm-hmm. that he talks a lot as opposed to James Click and Jeff Luno who are like, yeah, we're trying to get better. Yeah, we'll worry about that later. Like this is good for our business. Being in the opinion business and having a general manager that is willing to say stuff is good uh for sports radio. But D Brown has talked a lot about certain things that they want to get done, and he doesn't always achieve those things. I think what D Brown does is that he he talks about his goals openly. He talks about things that he wants to get done 
openly. And let's go reverse order. Today, Kyle Tucker. He wants to get Kyle Tucker done. Great. I understand that. Trade deadline. He said openly he wants to get a starting pitcher, and then he backed off of that until Verlander came on the market. He wanted to get a reliever. He wanted to get a left-handed bat. He said all of those things over and over again. Now, he got two-thirds of those things done. Let's notice a trend here. What was he saying in the offseason? Fromber. Fromber, Javier, we're talking with Tucker. He got one of those three things done. So I, what I'm noticing about Dana Brown, and I like everything I've seen from Dana Brown. I, I like these trades. I like the Christian Javier extension. I, I like Dana Brown so far with the information we've been provided. And I'm very bullish to see what he does in terms of the draft because I think that is his strength. So I, I'm, I'm very excited with everything that Dana Brown has done. But what I've learned from Dana Brown is that he will openly discuss his goals and wants with certain players, extensions, trades, things that they're looking to acquire, but they don't always get done. Here's what I would tell you, Jeremy. In in my dealings with professional sports, and especially with the NBA, media training was brought in. Media training across the board. And we had a media trainer that we designated to spe- spend specific time separate from like training the players how to answer questions and the rights and the wrongs and the do's and the don'ts to a full-blown redo with Daryl Morey. Because he had diarrhea of the mouth and he just didn't know how to phrase things and when to say when and stop. Dana Brown kind of needs that because Dana Brown just tweaks it a little bit. Instead of saying the things that he said, just say, hey, look, we have every intention of doing our be- making our best efforts to make sure Kyle Tucker's an Astro for the rest of his career. Believe me, we are focused on it and we want him to be an Astro. Now you've shown commitment to your fan base. You've let them know enough that you're, you're actually cognizant of it and you're working on it, but you don't overcommit by saying, I'm telling you, we, uh, you know, Kyle Tucker's going to be an Astro the rest of his career. Don't stop. Don't go that far. Positioning and phrasing matters. I don't think I, no. honestly, I think it's kind of semantics. Like, I think that's what he is saying. Like, he, he is, but he's going to be held to the fire because of the way he said he? it. I think he is. Because if I it doesn't happen, they're going to point at because, him. They're going to come at or, him. Or are they going to just spin the narrative again that they did their best and Kyle Tucker and, and the Astros couldn't come to a deal and Kyle Tucker's gone? Probably both, to be honest. Like, that's where it's kind of like for me, it's like they almost, it kind of starts to put the blame on Tucker. Like, he's painting this narrative of that. We want Kyle Tucker to be an Astro forever. Kyle Tucker, we are going to give him a fair, good offer. And when Tucker rejects these offers, it's on Tucker for leaving. It's not on the Astros. Which is smart. It's smart. It's kind of what it's what the Angels are doing with Otani. Like they said, we're going to go all in. We're going to try to win. We're not going to go on a seven-game losing streak to start the second half of the season or at post-deadline. But like, I don't think he, it- when he leaves, it's Otani's decision to leave. Sure. It's not ours. But I don't think it's semantics. I, I, I think it's specifics. I think instead of going to the level that he took it, he can get all of that without getting that the kind of, if it, if it does happen both ways, uh-huh. without getting the backlash and the finger pointing I, because he didn't, because if you phrase it a different way, you don't overcommit. I don't think this puts, like, I don't think it really matters a whole lot, to be honest with you. Like, I think Dana Brown saying this fires up the fan base. Oh, yeah, we're going to get Tucker, blah, 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 blah. But Dana Brown saying this, and again, I think he says his goals and his wants, not things that he's actually going to accomplish, like a left-handed bat at the deadline, like locking up Kyle Tucker and Fromber Valdez before the season began, uh, before it started. He would have liked to get it done, but didn't. I don't think it's going to hurt Dana Brown, though. Like, I don't think it's going to hurt Dana Brown in negotiations for Kyle Tucker. Dana Brown saying this isn't going to have Kyle Tucker's agent be like, well, now we want more money. Kyle Tucker has a number, and if Dana Brown and you know, meets the number that Kyle Tucker and his agent wants, they're going to sign Kyle Tucker to an extension. So I don't think this puts like Dana Brown over the barrel, uh, but this is like the one thing that I've learned about him 
is that he's going to say what he thinks and what he hopes, and it's not always going to happen. I I think there is a chance. I I think that, and it depends on each agent is different too. At a certain point, an agent's going to use this against you if it gets if it gets contentious and you're fighting over dollars and years and contracts that make sense to both sides that they can agree on. I think it can come up. I, that's why I said I just think that Dana Brown. I don't think he's going to use that as bargain. Like if you're if you're an agent and you're using Scott certain would things on this. I think I think you look at his numbers. Like you look at Kyle Tucker's OPS, you look at Kyle Tucker's MVP voting, you look at Kyle Tucker's WAR, you look at his Gold Glove. Like because Dana Brown went on the radio and said we want Kyle Tucker here long term, isn't going to cost Kyle Tucker more money. But I'm saying if you say no, and then there's a, there's an impasse or there's a back and forth. At a certain point, a guy like Scott Boris is going to bring it up, and he's going to take whether it's a taking a jab at you or he's legitimately going to say it to you. He's going to say, "Hey, come on, man! I mean, you're the one that said you want him to finish his career sure. as an Astro." But do you think it's going to affect the bottom line of the dollars? I don't know. I mean, I'm There's not saying no it's way. going to be the end all be all, but I'm saying it could be a, it could be a discussion point. I don't like even through the media alone giving up any of that control of the discussion to where the other side may think it has a little more power now. Oh, because. We've heard this. We're, I think from an agent and a player perspective, they're thinking about this a little differently, that they can be a little more grandiose with what they want. I just think it's the last thing, if I'm an agent, that I'm pointing to to get my client paid. Like, I'm pointing to his numbers that are elite. I'm pointing to where he finishes an MVP voting this year, which might be second. It might be second to Shohei Otani. I'm not going to be like, hey, Dana, you went on the radio and said we're going to get Kyle Tucker a long-term extension. Like, that's not going to get you more money. We can go back and forth. I'm not trying to make the. I, I think you're right. The first thing you're going to do in any discussion as a, as a qualified agent is you're going to put his numbers up against other guys similar to him, corner outfielders, you know, guys that have recently got paid. Show the numbers. Show where he ranks in the American League. Show where he ranks in baseball. Put it all on the table. But at a certain point, it, we know the Astros aren't into long-term deals. They're not into monster deals. And so at a certain point, it might not be all sunshine and rainbows and a smooth sailing. And if the Astros say no and push back, there's going to be some back and forth. And obviously, there's going to be other things like those things that are going to be the sticking point. But I just I don't like going out this much in the media with those statements. I think they're unnecessary. I, yeah, I, I just think they don't matter. Now, like somebody just texted it and said it's trying to lighten up the uh, the fan base a little bit. We've watched star player after star player leave, so he's just trying to get Astro fans room to breathe the next two years. I don't think it's that calculated. I, I really don't. I don't think Dana Brown's saying, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to get the fan base off my back by saying this. Because you're right, it could backfire on him. Well, he just said that he wanted him, and now they're not going to bring him in. So I don't think it's him trying to get the well, fan base off his back. I don't think it's him like trying to you know, be some cunning, calculated negotiator. No. I think this is just him stating his goals and aspirations wanting to keep Kyle Tucker as a Houston Astro for the foreseeable future. And that's what I was getting at because when I said people are going to come at Dana Brown if it doesn't happen, the fan base is going to be some of the people I'm talking about because you didn't just come out and say it the way you could have. We're going to make our best efforts. Believe me, we want to keep Kyle Tucker in an Astros uniform the rest of his career. Now, everything that you and Joe said is absolutely you know, on the table as the way it can go. He, you can make him an offer. He turns it down. We made our best efforts. It's not my fault. Blah, 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 blah. You're off the hook. But because of the way he phrased things, he's setting himself up to get more fingers pointed at him if it doesn't happen. 713-780-ESPN. What did you make of D. Brown's comments saying that he wants to keep Kyle Tucker here? He said for the rest of his career. Uh, 713-780-3776. Also, should we view Tucker in a different category than George Springer, than Carlos Correa? Also, 
I want to look at some comparisons of what other big-time outfielders got in the open market last offseason and see what a Kyle Tucker contract can look like. Because we talk a lot about pay the man, pay the man, pay the man. We never look at the numbers. What do those figures look like if Kyle Tucker were to resign quickly? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph procedure. I say this from experience. I got the Neograft. I couldn't be happier. It gave me my hairline back. He can do the same kind of things for you. If you're ha- having pattern baldness or experiencing uh, ball, uh, thinning in the top on the back of your head, your, your hairline, you, any, basically anywhere on your scalp, he can help you get your hair back. It's not sprays and creams and foams that mask the problem. No, the Neograft takes hair where you're genetically never going to lose it. That's the sides in the back of your head. And it, he takes some of those follicles and puts them where you need them most in those problem areas where you're thinning and balding. And in no time at all, you suddenly have thick, strong, growing hair that's going to be with you for the long haul. And that's why I decided to do the the, the deal and, and have the procedure. Granado did it. He's extremely happy with it. You could be next in line and be happy about it, too. It's awesome. And the fact of the matter is, Doc and his staff are fantastic, and they'll walk you through every step of the way. The big thing is, right now, you don't have any money out of pocket, no commitment, and you can get a consultation with Doc and his staff that normally costs 150 bucks just by going to 975hair.com and setting up an appointment. You can go in with no obligation. You can ask questions. You can get answers. And you can find out if you are the next in line to get this great procedure done and reap the benefits of the, getting your hair back. It's absolutely fantastic. I recommend it. I'm The big kicker that got me, 95 to 99% of the follicles that are moved are going to stay and grow, and they are going to be with you for the rest of your life because they're coming from a spot where they never go away. That's the bonus. When you take them from a, a place where genetically you're not going to lose your hair, they're going to stay where he puts your hair. That's the, the deal that really won me over, and that's why I got the procedure done. Tell them I sent you by because I don't think there's anybody that does it better. It's Doc Linville. Go to 975hair.com. best most informed sports talk noon to three it's the killer bees joe blank and jeremy brenham live from the veritex community bank studios uh killer bees espn 97.5 espn 92.5 todd says i just looked at correa stats uh, thank goodness we didn't pay the man that's the other thing these contracts almost never work out i was looking at the biggest contracts given out in baseball yesterday after i saw some of this talk pay the man talk um, and you, you bring, like, Mike Trout is the name that comes up. Giancarlo Stanton was the name that just came up in the Twitch. Um, George Springer's not really lived up, to, lived up to his contract. Carlos Correa has not lived up to his contract. Trey Turner, all of these shortstops, by the way. Turner, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, they've not lived up to their contracts. Most of these deals, these long-term deals, almost every single one of them does not work out, does not pan out. You get a year or two where that player's good, and then for the final six, seven, eight, nine years, that contract becomes a handcuff on your payroll. Yeah, and we've talked about it. I think that's why, as much as we understand it, it, it messing with the heartstrings of Astros fans that just hated to see one or more of their favorite players go away, at the end of the day, when you look at it, I don't think anybody had a really hard pushback at, without understanding. They've seen pool holes. They've seen all these contracts that just, at the end, show no return on investment and show a team holding the bag and being held hostage 
by a, a Miguel Cabrera type contract where, yeah, there's some glory in it and there's some celebration and fun for the fans. But at the end of the day, you're going to spend two or three or four years with a guy that's getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do very little for your baseball team. The highest contracts in baseball history, dollar overall, Mike Trout's won over $425 million for 12 years. He still has a lot of years left on that through 2030. He's not lived up to that contract now because of injury. Mookie Betts was three sixty-five. He That takes him through 2032, which he's been a good player. Well, thank God for his video coordinator. Yeah, he's been a good player. He's, he's playing right now to a 30 million average, but will this he be playing into yeah. that whenever right. he's 35, 36, 37 years old? That contract goes through 2032. Aaron Judge this past offseason signed 360 for nine at the age of 30, and he's already breaking down. Manny Machado, 350 million, 11 years. has been okay. He hadn't lived up to it. Francisco Lindor, 341 for 10, has not lived up to it. Fernando Tatis, we don't know yet. Bryce Harper, so far, so good, although he's been he's banged been up. up. Yep. And that contract is through 2031. John Giancarlo Stanton, awful. awful. Corey Seager's been good, but this is only the second year of a 10-year deal. And then Garrett Cole's been good. Uh, but that contract goes through 28. Those are the 10 biggest contracts ever. Like, two of them are like, okay, maybe. Maybe they'll pan out. One's okay so far. And the rest are bad. Like, the rest yeah. are bad. And the other thing, too, as it relates to all these people that go nuts because of what happened last night and they, you know, strike up the fire again to say, you know, pay the man. The fact is, you don't have to. Don't pay until you have to. You don't. The time is not right now. Sure, you can have discussions, and if you can get a deal done, that's fantastic. And the same way that they fell into just a, a phenomenal team-friendly deal with Jordan, you might be able to do a deal. You know, but I don't think Kyle Tucker and his representation are looking for that. They're not looking to give you any deal. They're looking to maximize the market. So therefore, it's going to take longer, and it's probably going to be more drawn out because they want to see what the market may may give them. The bigger thing, too, though, is when you're betting on yourself, you want to be having these discussions while your player's on fire. You hope he doesn't have a slump in the following year. So if you're the agent saying now we're in a different position than we were, we should have negotiated back then. But if you're the Astros, I understand your fan base wants you to pay the man right now. But right now is not the time to be discussing a long, long-term deal to pay the man because there's still plenty of time where you have him under team control. Yep. And you want to see, I think he may cool off. The other thing is the rush. Like, like you bring it up. What is the rush to right. do it? You still have Kyle Tucker for two more years. What's the rush? Getting it done right now, yeah, you. it's the security of locking him up long term. But it also changes his average annual salary. And if all of a sudden he has an, a much higher average annual salary, well, that becomes a little bit difficult with being able to bring players in next year and the year after that because his AAV goes up. And we know that Jim Crane uses that collective uh, collect the competitive balance tax, the CBT, as a salary cap of sorts. So doing it now would, would you know, bring up the Astros' overall payroll, which would limit what they can do with other moves. Secondly, you're already going to pay him top dollar. So, like, why are you doing it now versus whenever it's the last three months of the his final year of his deal or even before that season? Not necessarily because I think he's going to, like, fall apart or not be the same player, but right now he's already worth top dollar. Kyle Tucker, the way he's playing right now, second best player in the American League probably. He's going to have a top three MVP finish, probably should have that. He's already playing at the very highest level. So you're not getting any sort of bargain by getting it right. done early. So you're not getting a bargain by getting it done early. It brings up the overall payroll for the next two years while he's under club control. Now's not the time no, to extend Kyle Tucker, That was my biggest frankly. issue. Every time we hear the orange Kool-Aid drinkers you know, come out of their socks to say, pay the man, pay the man, pay the man. Well, the last time we had the pay the man, pay the man was Correa. 
And some guys have the ability when it's time to put up or shut up and, and it's a prove-it season, they can turn it up a notch. And the best was Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson could put it on cruise control for four years of a five-year deal, although he was still obviously really good. And then in that contract year, he would go absolutely nuts. He would go all out. He would put it in fifth gear a lot more frequently. He'd get the big deal, and then he'd relax again. And so there's there's no sense of urgency for the Astros right now to get a guy where he is completely on top of his game when you still have plenty of time to discuss and work on getting a deal done. I, think I don't be, agree. I think he'll be the That's same fine. player. I think he'll be the same player, too, because right now, 23, he's got 24, 25 under contract. I think he's still going to be the player that he is then now. So I don't think you're getting a discount. I don't think he's going to lose value so you can sign him whenever he's closer to the bottom than the top. But it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same amount of money you'd have to sign. And baseball's the day-to-day now. business with your finances too. So until then, you still give yourself some flexibility. You know where you're at and what you're dealing with, and then you see when the time is right in a season or so. Now, in the off season, a year from now, you can have these discussions. But I don't think you, there's anything pressing you where you should get a deal done now. The only thing that's pressing you is if they've made it clear that there's a years they're chasing, and it doesn't matter when he signs the contract. If they're looking for an eight-year deal, no matter what. Like, let's say they want eight years starting today. Buy out the two years, six years after that. Or do they want eight years when he's 28, 29 years old? Because, like, that's what the real difference is, is when the contract ends. Does it end when he's, you know, if you sign into a 10-year deal today, he would be out when he's 36. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you, now, you don't want to pay him when he's 37, 38, 39. Like, you don't want to be in the Miguel Cabrera conversation. So that's why I think you do want to sign the conversation, the contract. Why now. would Tucker do that? Why would Tucker do that? He's about to get – he got $20 million this year in arbitration. That's going to go up. Like, he got $20 million this year? I think so, yeah. So, $20 million this year. He's going to make more than that next year. It's going to be around oh, no $25 question. million. Dollars, and then that final year is going to be probably around 30 of arbitration. Yeah, you so have why to give would him Kyle 30 T- now. I don't think so. I don't think 30 now gets it done. Why would Kyle Tucker Yeah, he's going to want more. He's gonna want th- he wants a starter at 35. He, want, he wants the nine-year contract when his contract become, is gone, when his club control is gone. He's not going to give you the two years for the goodness of his heart. That's true, but it does seem like they are negotiating right now, so there's got to be... They've been negotiating for years. Yeah. Well, they were negotiating the minute the Jordan deal got done, and the first thing that happened was Cam- uh, Tucker's camp said, nope, we're not doing that his, kind of deal. I, 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 those totally, are I totally got his, his, I his contract this year wrong, by the way. It's $5 million. This year, oh, that's right. No, they tiny, went to arbitration. Tiny, that's right. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah, and remember, he was pissed because he got shorted a couple million dollars, and and he didn't like the fact that the Astros could have done that, and it would have been no skin off which, their back. Which he I don't think. Seven which I don't think affects negotiations at all. If Kyle, if the Astros said, "Here, Kyle Tucker, here's the number that you're demanding," Kyle Tucker's going to sign. It. He's not going to be like, "Well, no, I didn't get the arbitration number that I wanted." Mainly no, but you can have hard feelings. Sure, but I don't. Again, I don't think it's going to affect the bottom line. Kyle Tucker, if he wants a three hundred million dollar well, deal, yeah. and Dana Brown comes to him with a three hundred million dollar deal, Kyle Tucker's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that because you didn't give me two and a half million dollars in arbitration settlement. Well, That's not know, the case. I don't like your vests. You know, <laughs> exactly. you, you, Stevie Nelson could pull it off too. No, I'm not saying that it's going to, as long as you come with the money, but I think that we remember Springer and we remember other deals. Guys had it in the back of their mind if they were mistreated at all. You look at Milwaukee right now with their 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 number one pitcher, and because he is so hell-bent on the way he was mistreated in arbitration, everybody there says no matter what offer the Brewers put on the table, He's going to try free agency, or he's just getting out because he's still got the red ass. Sure, about that. but that also seems like the Milwaukee Brewers. Like we all know what the arbitration is, right? The 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 Astros go into that meeting with every intent to beat up on Kyle Tucker. The point of those meetings is to insult your player and lower the arbitration yeah. number. Look, but I, there's I, a way you can do it to where you don't 
you know, ruin a relationship like it seems like the Brewers did with Corbin Burns. Well, some people are just going to react differently to the arbitration process. Some people are going to yeah. understand it, like Teoscar Hernandez. Some aren't, like Corbin Burns and Colin McHugh. Dre says the longer you wait, the more expensive the money will be. I don't think so. Whatever what? contract extension you're giving Kyle Tucker today is going to be the same contract extension you're giving him spring training before the final year of his deal. I just see, like, there might be like, a little bit of inflation, but not really. I, like, I know there's concerns about like the, how much money you're going to pay him, but there's also ways to do a contract create like if you look at the Giancarlo Stanton contract, the Miami Marlins—it's a terrible s- contract for starters. It is, but like they set it up so they would never deal with the brunt of it. Like they knew who they were as an organization. Stanton's contract started like ten million dollars lower than it was than what the Yankees were paying him. The Marlins paid him a new contract, and they paid him at his cheapest. Like there are ways to to front load it, back load it. That doesn't it, matter with the it. AAV though. Plus, the AAV is also- the average annual sh- salary of the. So it doesn't matter how you escalate it. Now, it's what's coming out of Jim Crane's. Like pocketbook, what's coming out of his bank account is going to be affected because that's the cash you agreed to, stuff like that. No, but but whatever you have the AAV, it doesn't matter. The yeah. AAV is what go. You said go ahead. No, I, the AAV is what done. goes against the competitive balance tax. So if you sign him to a hundred million dollar deal for five years and you have the escalators, it doesn't matter. The average annual is twenty million dollars. I think the other thing about the Miami contract that makes it a horrible contract is because it was backloaded, and we're talking about the back ends of these contracts being the ones that are suicidal for organizations because they don't perform. Now depending on what Stanton does or doesn't do, and so far he's shown you all he's done has gotten hurt, that, yeah, Miami, I think Miami got extremely lucky to trade him when they did and find someone that would actually take on that that just disastrous contract because now you're looking at a team, if it's not the Yankees or the Dodgers, that goes, the hell do I want this guy with inflated salaries coming up when he can't stay healthy and he underperforms? But like, My- the, the thing with Tucker, though, is that he's not, the, he's not Correa and he's not Springer. He he's healthy. Have- He's he's healthy. Like I think that is also one of the big differences between this contract. But so were these other guys whenever they signed. Like these other guys were healthy when they signed too. Like Mike Trout didn't have chronic back issues, and then that happens. You know why? Because players get hurt, especially players that are in their thirties. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, like he's made of glass now. He wasn't always made of glass. Miguel Cabrera starts to show his age, et cetera, et cetera. This goes. That's what happens with, with athletes that Older, age yeah. most of the time. Now their two best outfielders that signed in free agency this past off season was Aaron Judge and Brandon Nimmo. I think Kyle Tucker and values closer to Aaron Judge than he is in Brandon Nimmo, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, totally agree. Like, Kyle Tucker is close to being the best player in the American League. Brandon Nimmo is not in that conversation. Yes, I know he plays in the NL. Brandon Nimmo signed an eight-year, $162 million deal in free agency this past offseason, just north of $20 million AAV. Aaron Judge signed nine years, $360, $40 million AAV. Again, I think Tucker is closer to Judge than he is to Nimmo, but let's split the difference. Let's just go right down the middle. 30. That Kyle Tucker extensions now nine years 270 million dollars 30 million aav through the age of 35 cool you're doing that yeah i'm not i'm out because they just showed you I'm out. well but here's the thing too. A dinosaur and jose abreu they're paying them 18 and a half though, I know, not 30 but the difference and it's been is a disaster it is but kyle tucker has always been a better player than jose abreu his best year was only in a 60 game season like, if you're paying Jose Abreu $19 million at 37, 38, and 39, but they didn't I'm lock cool. him up whenever he was 28 See, years old. There's two That's ways true. to look at it, too, because it, what, what we think is expensive right now might be a bargain when those contract years come up later in the in the contract at 30 a year. I don't think $30 million in seven years to a guy who's 35 years old is going to be a bargain. 
Like, I, I understand the inflation. I understand I how also it resets think, the market and stuff like that, but that's still pricey. Like, Aaron Judge, I mean, John Carlos Stanton, whenever he signed the deal, you could have said the same thing. It's a bad deal. Miguel Cabrera, you could have said the very same thing. Whenever he signed the deal, it's still a bad deal. CC Sabathia, Jacoby Ellsbury, Mike Trout. I, I, I think, like I said, in looking at it from two different ways, I think you could look at it and say maybe with inflation and how inflated these contracts get, maybe if, if it's 30 a year, it, it, halfway through the contract, you might think, okay, you, you're, you're getting a decent deal. You're getting return on investment. Maybe. I think from a, from his standpoint with his agent, I think based on the contracts he's seen, it's it's all cute to say starting at 270. I think they're starting at 300. I do, too. I do, too. I, and I get. I think I was being generous. Like I think you're right. I think it probably is 300. We'll get back to this a little bit later. 713-780-3776. Uh, coming up next, though, every Wednesday, why the face Wednesday? Why are we making faces today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. All right. Joe, this is your favorite segment? Oh, yeah. Much better than who said it. I was going to say, I'm I sure think said it has lost its luster for you. Can't wait for next week. Don't have to do it. Oh, that's um, right. You're off. He's taking a lot of days off. He's starting yeah, to turn into Brendan. Oh, wait. Was no, he's Brendan? going to your part-time moniker again. Was well, it Brendan that took days off, or was it Joe? It was Joe, wasn't it? Joe. It was yeah. Joe, part-time Joe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, you know, you know what's so funny? Joe. Instead of playing who said it next Brendan. Friday, he and I will be getting lunch. Next Friday. Who? Brendan and I at that You're time. You're getting lunch with Brendan? Yeah, next Friday. He's going to be in town? No, I'm going to a Chicago for a wedding. Oh, that's right. That's Take right. pictures so we can try and figure out who's who. You're only, you're only missing two... Uh... No, I'm missing the following Monday, too. Oh, okay. So I thought yeah, I thought you were missing four shows. No, three shows. The three only way shows. we'll be able to tell you apart is which hat you guys are wearing. So True. is he going to the wedding, too? No, no, no. I just We're, we're staying downtown right by the station. Can you bring me back some Pequods? Um... No, but I can send you some. <laughs> no, don't, sure. don't worry about it. All right. We're going um, to Wrigley next year. It's going to be cold, but it's yeah, okay, we are. Let's do it. Are you guys, is he, sta- is he staying with you guys in the, in the hotel? Or? Nope. Nope. We're just getting lunch. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to spoil too much. I have like a list of 20 things from the Johnny Manziel documentary that I watched last night. I watched it last night. You watched it over Hard is Knocks? It good? Yeah. Uh, um, is it one episode? It's one episode. How long? It's like an hour and a half. Okay. It's good. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff. It's funny that it's called Untold because there's a lot of stories that are untold from like the Browns' perspective of what happened. But I'm just going to pull one story out, uh, not even the Texan story that is involved. Johnny Manziel's agent instructed Johnny's father to fake a heart attack because Johnny smoked weed before the combine. And their grand plan <laughs> was to have Mr. Manziel fake a heart attack so Johnny would go to the combine and then leave the combine and never have to take a drug test. Instead, Johnny just admitted that he knew how to pass them and then he just like chugged a bunch of water and he passed it anyways and it was no issue. But what like that seems like a dumb idea. Yeah. Who was his agent? 
Eric Burkhart. Is this guy like legit? Is he still an agent in the NFL? I don't know. Because this is not a great look for Eric Burkhart. No, I I'm I feel like he was a Johnny he's, only. He's on the side of the player for sure. He's trying to do whatever he can to save his player's ass. It's, it doesn't surprise me that, that an agent no, would do this. No, of course not, because they're <laughs> taking money out of their pocket. His current, uh, oh, you know who one of his clients is? Actually, he's got a lot, dude. He's Rock Nation. He's got Kyler Murray. Oh, He's got a. Oh. Uh, he's got. Cliff if he's Kingsbury. under rock, he's good. He's got Kingsbury. Oh, Kingsbury's all in the stock. Bradley Chubb, Drake London, Saquon Barkley. He's got a chain who was over at A and M. Zamir White, Gabe Davis. I heard that uh, the ones he's got that, some dudes. The first knock I heard about the doc was that there was no no A and M players that played with him. Yeah, there was no teammates. It was pretty much the whole documentary was Johnny's Johnny, his mom, his dad, his sisters in there a little bit. The agent, and... Well, none of the Aggies went to his birthday party. Yeah, like, there's really no Aggies. Uh, there's no Aggies at all. I'm going to watch... And, then the guy, and no his, Summy, right? Someone, his, su- someone's not No, in Kingsbury's it. in it, and then his buddy who helped him run like the autograph ring mm. was in it. But besides that, that was it. The Texan story is basically, Johnny got drunk at River Oaks uh, Country Club, took his shirt off, broke a bunch of clubs over his knee... Um, the day after a charity tournament with the Texans, and uh, that's why they said they were not going to draft him. Which never heard that story before. Surprised I, me. I hope they wouldn't have drafted him even without that, though. Yep. Same. Like in hindsight, how did anybody draft him? No, no doubt about him? it. Even with Jerry Jones and all, how he was enamored with him too. I agree with that because I had heard stories all the way back to the country club that the family belonged to. With the guess way the, what? What fake news? What, what about it? it? They don't come from oil money. No, 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 no. But they, the were, but they, they had they a have membership money? to a golf club, did nope. they not? Nope. What is this? Like a uh... they, they explained this in do- the documentary that all this money that Johnny had in college, all the flying he did, oh. it was all from signing autographs and getting paid in cash. And his buddy, who was running, who was like his agent in college, admitted in the documentary they made up all of it. But I'm talking about when he was really young, like a kid. And they used to let him run rough shot on the course. And his dad had such a temper that Johnny was running over the greens with the golf cart and the tee boxes and doing whatever he want. And no, everyone was afraid to say anything because his dad would just like go nuts. And then his dad evidently was playing one of the pros one day for some money. And the pro made a putt to win the bet. And that Johnny's dad took the ball out of the hole and whipped it off of the guy's back and got suspended. And, and they were like, the dad's going to be a problem. It seems like the dad, pretty early on in the doc, admits he's a bad dad. So how did he? What did he do for a living? They don't say, but like they say, he's not. They're not from oil money. That is all a concocted story. Well, it like sounds the like whole, they were concocting a lot of things if they're trying to get him to fake a heart attack too. Yeah, like Wasn't the whole the, thing oh. was like fake. Doesn't the dad come out and say something about the fact that A and M is who dropped the ball because A and M was supposed some, to? He blamed someone directly. He does, I guess he doesn't say someone, but he's like, when you send your kid off to college, you expect them to take care of your kid and help them turn into a man, and they didn't do it. I'm looking forward to watching this. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Sounds very interesting. Now, what would you say this agent's name was? I think it was Kevin Burkhart. I need to get this so. guy under my payroll. I like the I like the guy. I like the cut of this guy's clot. Mm. I like this guy. I think he can help things for me here a little bit. A uh, sports media company was sold for officially five hundred million dollars uh, in January. Uh, yeah, 
Dave Portnoy bought Barstool Sports back yesterday for zero dollars. You know what funny story here? I own four shares of Penn stock. Good, it's going way up. Yeah, I've I've made sixteen dollars in the last twelve hours. Yeah, Penn National <laughs> got out of the Barstool Sports game because they couldn't get gambling licenses, and we all had that we had that Shams controversy we talked about, right? It's going to get even worse now because it's now going to be the ESPN Bet Sportsbook. Yeah, and like Ooh. Woj and Schefter. And like all these guys, like the can of worms has been opened. Yeah, now wide. talk about the needle moving with every little oh, word yeah. they say. Yeah, that's going to get dicey. We should have known that ESPN and Penn were going to merge at some point because Rachel Nichols has always been saying ESPN. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> she has. I know. She's ESPN. always done that. Now the uh, stool presidente comes out like a bandit in this thing, but I I, I did some. I saw I didn't do the research. It came to me on my timeline. But apparently, Penn still gets like 50% if, if he, he were to sell the yeah, company. If he, yeah, if he sells. If he sells. Yeah. And, and also, Barstool is not allowed to work with like another sports book. Ever. So it, it puts a lot of constraints on Barstool as a company. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, stole for 500, he, he sold it for $500 million. He gets, he gets it back. But if you were to ever sell it again, 50% does go to Penn. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, but which is a great but deal. But literally, he's stealing still money deal. for the short term for as long as he's... Still a great deal. But yeah. I, if, I, if I ever sold something for $500 million, though, I would never work a day of my life ever again. Oh, for sure. Even if I got it back for free. So you're telling me, what's, isn't one of the lotteries well over a billion right I now? I think somebody won in Florida. Oh. A pub, so they got it from a Publix. They got the ticket from a Publix. Would you guys work? Would you guys keep working? I might do a... Uh, short yeah, term. Yeah, I would work. But I wouldn't come into the studio. I would I would say you can pay me a dollar so I can get the life insurance and the insurance and all that stuff. I'd probably do the U of H stuff, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't come into the studio. Hmm. I would still work every I day. Wouldn't come I, I would st- still work short term for a while. I'm not I'm not a work from home person. I'd have to come in every day. I, I, have no I think I'd enjoy in. it. I'd I would be, golf a um, lot more though. Oh for sh- oh my god! I yes. would golf a lot. More. I always say that's the one thing you may never see me again at a certain point because I will get a golf membership somewhere and my family will have everything that they need taken care of. And then I am just going to enjoy. Played a three-man scramble over the weekend in uh, Austin. Shot a 62 three-man scramble. Wow. Shot a 29 on the back. How many shots? Did I you, was the C you, player. I, I quite a bit actually. You used your shots. I uh, almost made a hole in one. Really? I missed a hole in one by about half a foot. I, I I played pretty well. How far? I was the C player, but I played pretty well. It was uh, it was pitching wedge. I think it was a, I think it was about one thirty five. Okay. Kind of dialed it in. I, I drove the ball really well, and I putted. I didn't putt well, but I made like two. Two good putts. Two good putts. And then I, yeah, I was played pretty well. All right, last thing I got here. Burger King in Thailand has debuted a new item called the Real Cheeseburger. Single, double, triple, Whopper. What is, how's that it song It doesn't go? have, you're, you're on is this the 200 Junior, slices Whopper, of cheese? It doesn't Whopper, have Whopper. any meat. It's 20 slices of American cheese in between. Oh, I saw this. It's the real, they called it the Real Cheeseburger? Yeah, do you yeah. think they melt any of the cheese? They called it the Real Cheeseburger. There's zero meat on it? I would hope so. If they like, don't melt the cheese, then it, I'm not eating, like, cheese slices. Like, the photo, it looks like it's, like, half melted. Maybe they maybe they stack it, and then they, they put it on heat for a certain period of time, so it kind of, like, melts the outer shell, the like, outer why rim would anyone the eat cheese this? burger. Uh, you're a vegan? 20 slices Wait, of cheese? Can vegan eat no, can vegan no, vegan cheese? No, Well, vegetarian? Vegetarian, you can. Okay, I'm not yeah. up to date with my... Weird diet. Vegans, no dairy, so you yeah. can't. Believe me, I know. So vegetarian's good, though. But like 20 slices? It's a lot of cheese. I mean, it's a lot of cheese. Yeah. I would never eat this. You got a problem with a lot of cheese? No. Never. Never do you have a problem would with you lots eat of cheese. This? No, but see, this is too much cheese. Then you have a problem with lots of cheese. No, I don't have a problem with it. I just have a choice to make, and I don't... I mean, I wouldn't be against it. I don't think it sounds disgusting so or anything. You, so if I made this, 
If you made it, I'd have a problem with it. Why? It's it's literally, it, dude, it's cheese and bun. It's American yeah. cheese. I, I guarantee you it's craft cheese. So it's a cheese food. It's processed. It's not like. Yeah, it's not real cheese. It's not like, it's not like good cheese. It looks like cheese you would buy for your five-year-old and make a grilled cheese out of. That's what it is. It's a massive grilled cheese. Uh, I'm I like grilled cheese. Too much cheese. It's too much cheese. Too much cheese. Too much cheese. Could we get to like when we go out to a Scott's remote? People never think it's too much cheese. If we go out to I don't a know. Room, I disagree. Yeah, twenty you slices. Just said you wouldn't eat it. I bet you there's a ton of people back home that would hammer that thing with no doubts, no, no regrets. You in think Wisconsin, so? in Wisconsin, oh my god, yes they would. No, but like who would voluntarily eat something like this with no meat? Like Wisconsinite. It'd be one thing if there was like a patty and then twenty slices of cheese on top because at least there's still burger in there. It's just a giant grilled cheese. I think there's plenty of people back home that would hammer that thing with no doubt. Sickos. They are sickos. Uh, And then they would put on their their hunting orange with their mixing and matching of all the other team colors in the state, and they'd go into a recliner and they'd watch TV. (laughs) They would have to be in a recliner for a long period of time. Uh, Alex says, my eight-year-old daughter would love it. That's that's probably who they're catering to. Uh, Hard truths about Jose Abreu, what uh, some people don't want to tell you. But we have to. We owe it to you. And if you want to, if you want to reignite that Kyle Tucker conversation, we can. We got a lot of people on the text line that uh, that wanted to. So we'll talk about that as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Uh, Jose Abreu, he is uh, performing poorly again. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, Jose Abreu is in a two for 31 slump. 11 strikeouts in those 31 at bats. Here's a hard truth, Blankers. Mm-hmm. You remember whenever Jose Abreu was off to a poor start, and some people were like, hey, it's all right. He comes around in the summer. He always heats up. He's a notorious slow starter. Now, we heard a lot more of those people whenever he was heating up in the summer than we did in May whenever he was starting slow. But we heard a lot of people telling you, Jose Abreu heats up in the summer. And then once he started heating up, even more people were telling you, look, he's heating up in the summer like I told you all along, even though they didn't tell you all along. You know the story that they didn't tell you? Jose Abreu last year started to slow down in August. The OPS kind of crashed in August. If you go back at last season, April, March, 656 OPS, not good. In May, 796 OPS, which is fine. Like, that's fine. That's okay. June, he was on fire. 964 OPS last year. July, he stayed on fire. 923 OPS in July last year. But you know what he did in August? Started to dip a little bit. 796. And then in September, October, 758. So last year, Jose Abreu's trend was start slow, heat up like everybody pretended to tell us, and then they told us in the summer, but then he started to trend down. The people that were telling us that he was hot in the summer didn't tell us that he would start trending down in August, and we're seeing Jose Abreu's 2023 season play out pretty similar to Jose Abreu's 2022. One of the national broadcasts, or was it AT&T, when they started saying, wait, he's been really heating up in June and July. I think it was Bagwell. (laughs) No, it wasn't Bagwell. They had a graphic, and they're like, just wait till you get to August because August throughout his career career wise that is true. has been when he really goes to town and it gave everybody like well there's reason to believe because I saw that he got he started to figure it out in June mm-hmm. he was really much better in July I'm hoping this is the trend this is going to happen now we're looking at his stats now we're looking at the fact that he had what 11 before last night 
He had like 11 strikeouts in 26 at-bats, only two hits, and you're going, this is not heating up. This is not, but at a certain point, as much as Dusty trusts his gut and dust and pawpaw's belly and his loyalty to veteran players, this is back to our discussion of yesterday. Yiner Diaz deserves righties and lefties, and he gets he deserves more of a chance to be in the lineup and, and get every day at bats because of on top of everything else, what Abreu's not doing. Yeah, I, I won't go with as far as you do with lefties. I, I don't need to see Yiner play every day with lefties. You're, you you'd think so. I'm more of righties specifically. But Yiner Diaz, if Yiner Diaz is ever on the bench against a right-handed pitcher, Dusty's not serious. Dusty's not putting out a serious lineup. Look, I understand that Jose Abreu is your eighteen and a half million dollar man. I understand that Yiner Diaz is a rookie. But if you have a right-handed pitcher on the other team that is starting, and Yiner Diaz is not starting that day then Dusty doesn't have a serious lineup in play, if we're being completely honest. I would like to see it come at the catcher position, but we know that Dusty's going to give Maldi Fromber, Javier Verlander. That's cool, Dusty. You can have that. You can give Maldi those three pitchers, but you can't have Yiner Diaz on the bench against a righty. So he either needs to be DHing or he needs to play ahead of Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu should not be playing first base ahead of Yiner Diaz. For me, against righties, sounds like for you, maybe both. I think both because of the fact that he couldn't do much worse. You know, my thinking at this point is with Abreu again struggling Mm -hmm. and the fact that he couldn't do much worse, but if he, you know, finds a way to barrel up a couple of of pitches along the way, he could probably begin, one, he's going to provide you more pop if he does, if he does connect. And two, he couldn't do any worse than what Abreu's doing so far this month. And when you're playing a team like the Orioles or you're playing in games that really matter because you're still chasing the Rangers, I'm looking for the best offensive lineup I can possibly put out there, and if if that means that Abreu's underperforming, then I need someone that can perform. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be mad about it. Like, I wouldn't be mad about it. Now, that's a concession that I'm willing to make. I'm willing to concede that. Like, okay, Yonder doesn't play against lefties. I can live with that. I can live with that based on his numbers. But against righties, there is no excuse because Yonder should be catching first and foremost, but I'm willing to concede to Dusty that, that Maldi gets those top three starters. Okay, well, then the next conversation is DH. If Jordan's DHing that day, well, you can't have Yonder DH. If he's in left, it makes it easy. Yonder can DH. But if Jose Abreu is in the lineup at first base and Yiner Diaz is on the bench against a right-handed pitcher, it's not a serious lineup. And you're in a spot now where like, you won yesterday, but so did the Rangers. You're catching, and you have less than 50 games left to play. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. The other time is it's, it, it, you can't be BSing anymore. There's no time to hope he works it out. There's no time to say, well, you know, there's plenty of games left to be played. You're coming down to the final stretch, and you are not 10 games up in the division. And you are looking to try and solidify the best playoff position you possibly can be can't can solidify with all that being said I need the guy that gives me the best chance to do some damage when they're at the plate and if Abreu ain't doing it and regardless if it's a righty or a lefty you got a kid that when he connects the ball goes a long way and it's hit hard and he's got a chance I'll take that kid yeah I, I understand that for sure but uh yeah I mean Jose Abreu is again trending the opposite way and look it is a concern because Jose Abreu was awful in April March May he was he was fine in June he was fine in June 821 OPS if that's the Jose Abreu you got you'd be happy with that Jose Abreu I think you would even take Jose Abreu in July what was he in July 754 OPS yeah, that's a little better than average right for a first baseman maybe average maybe I'm saying for an average major league hitter average it's a, major a little leaguer. above average yeah average major leaguer it's there but yep. for a first baseman it's probably a little bit below right. average but because we know what jose abreu when he's bad he's really bad we would all take a 754 op sure you know what he is in august 083 hitter 
two for 26 with a 237 OPS. And this little slump actually goes a little bit into June as well, the two for 31. So it looks like we're seeing some regression to the mean for Jose Abreu after he was decent. It was good in June, decent in July. So be interesting scary. What do you do? I mean, I think that you at least got to stick it out to start the year with them again and hope that, you know, maybe he finds a way to find the fountain of youth or figure some stuff out. But it's going to be tough to just walk away from him after one year. I think he'll yeah. be on the roster to start the year. I just am not too confident he'll be on the roster to finish the year. I could see where if he has as bad a start to the season next year that he did this year, I could see a DFA. Yep. But I, I agree with you that it wouldn't come at the start of the season. I think you see it through. Uh, we know that Yiner, if you gave Yiner Abreu the same amount of at-bats for this final less than 50 games, we know that Yiner would put up better numbers. We all agree with that. Yeah, that's, Jiner, that's, that's where I'm, Joe, that's why I'm adamant we about all agree with that. against both righties and lefties. Which we're all nodding our head, yes. Yiner would have better numbers than Abreu, given the same amount of at-bats the rest of the year. Listener, you agree with that, right? Would John Singleton? See, i got to see more of him in an Astros uniform. i got to see a little bit more of him. Look, I loved the at-bat last night, but you know, people got enamored with, with Hensley after a couple of appearances. You know, I, I just I got to see more before I could throw him in the mix and say that's a guy, too, that I'd like to see more of than Abreu, but there's no doubt in my mind that Yiner's a guy that I'd like to see more of than Abreu. What do you think, Joe? I think Singleton. Same amount of at-bats, rest of the year, Singleton or Abreu, who has better numbers? I think they're virtually the same, except for one, and that's home runs. Singleton would have more tanks. No no doubt. It's like, if if he's the same exact guy as Abreu at the plate for all categories, except for when he does make contact, they go 480 feet, like, that'd be awesome. Singleton does not have much of a sample. As we know. That's doesn't why I have a, more. Doesn't have a, a sample size. His career OPS in Major League Baseball, and look, a brunt of this was 2014-15. We're now eight years later. Jose or uh, John Singleton and 453 plate appearances in his life has a 601 OPS. Jose Abreu this year, this year, this year has a 634 OPS. I think the answer might be John Singleton. I think the answer might be John Singleton. Now that's more power, but less average. Who would and have a better OPS the rest of the year? John Singleton, Jose Abreu, same amount of at bats. I, I think it's Singleton. I don't know. I think it, it's scary. It's you know what's pathetic the is fact that, that we're that having that this we're having conversation, conversation, right? That it's close. Singleton yeah. or Abreu, same amount of at bats the rest of the year. Who has better numbers? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five. Also, Sheldon Rankins was talking to the media the other day. I watched Hard Knocks. I was one of the few, I guess. Uh, he made an interesting comparison with the Texans and the Jets that I want to dive into, and also specifically at the quarterback position. It's the Killer Bees at ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.